makes you that makes you instant criminals right now. They want to throw you in jail for what you're doing right here, right now. Do you understand that? How is it that we accepted that? Could you ever think in a million years that the United States of America, King Inslee, will come out and say that he's going to throw you in jail while they release real criminals and allow people to riot in all the big cities across this country? Can you believe that? You know why they did it? You know why they did it? Because, because they're not afraid of you. They're not afraid of you. They had the nerve to suspend the Constitution overnight, and we didn't do anything about it. Because we have accepted it, we have allowed it, they only have the power that we allow, guys. we got to change the way that we think. Change the way that we think. I'm going to tell you this, this is what I believe, I believe this wholeheartedly. I don't care what they do in these big cities, they can burn it down all they want. They want it, go ahead, let them burn it down, okay? But we got to protect our small counties and our small cities in this state. Do you understand that? Do this, I want you to do this. We have, we have a girl, uh, a, a grandma, who got criminally charged for opening up her business in Clark County, okay? First, in the state of Washington, many more are gonna come, because we have a lot of lockdowns. This isn't, the, this isn't the end of it, guys. We're gonna get more lockdowns, okay? She got criminally charged. We had uh, up to 400 to 500 people go to the Sheriff's Department yesterday to demand that he protect her, that he stand up for her, because that, that is his job. We need our sheriffs to stand up. We need our sheriffs to stand up and to protect us at a local level because I don't know what else to do, guys. They're not helping us in Olympia. The politicians aren't helping us. The, the, the entire court system is corrupt. We got nowhere else to turn except in our own communities. Bunker down and protect your counties, guys. God bless each and every single one of you. We want to get all that hammered out first before we do anything. We also want to get, you know, like I said, a layout of the land exactly where and what we're going to be doing so uh yeah scott uh we are going saturday to assist a sheriff that's put a call out to patriots uh to assist him because uh, he's expecting uh, you know a lot of bad things to happen from blm antifa types that are supposed to be coming there to do a protest right but he's concerned about the monuments and stuff that are there, as well as his sheriff's department, uh, courthouse, area building. So he put out a call to all patriots that are willing to come and assist him and his department. Because he only has three men counting himself for this small county. So once again, if there's anybody in the area that will go and meet up with us, we'd greatly appreciate it. I can't see who uh, threw out a super chat right there. It looks like 990. I really appreciate that. I'll go back and look at that, but thank you so much for that. Uh, every little bit will help. But uh, anyway, we'll be making that trip. It's a little over a three-hour trip. Once again, it's Saturday, June 27th, 2020, so it's a little over a day and a half away, day and a half. So, uh, yeah, if you guys can make it, anybody out there that wants to go, get with me. Email forceup1776 at gmail.com. That's for the group. My personal email is will. A Central West End couple is making the rounds on social media this morning after pointing guns towards protesters who were walking by on the street. Now we are learning this morning that that couple are attorneys who own a well-known law firm called McCloskey Law. Now the crowd was headed towards Mayor Lida Cruson's home. Our Ryan Henson joins us now live to explain more about these tense moments that took place yesterday evening. Ryan, good morning.
Yeah, good morning. So the crowds looking for Mayor Cruson's resignation were walking through the Central West End, and they walked past the home of Mark and Patricia McCloskey, who were on their front yard and on their yard with a pistol and a rifle. And there was even a state rep within the crowds who said these are pretty tense moments. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen that even since Ferguson, even the other pro mini protests we didn't have. Um, so them come outside with an AK and a small gun, I was shocked because the thing is, you don't know if they accidentally or on purposely, I mean, they purposely came outside. They could have stayed inside, would have shot one of the people that in the streets. And you know, that's an, another life. So we checked with the Looper Law, SLU Law Professor, and they say this could be considered assault since it could have incited fear amongst the protesters. And there's actually two protests going on yesterday, one organized by Expect Us, the other organized by Respect Us. Thankfully, no one was hurt walking by in this entire incident, but there are a lot of people upset with Mayor Cruson outside of the crowd. ACLU called it a shocking and misguided that she would release the addresses of people looking to defund the police. Alder woman Megan Green even tweeted and said the mayor's move was quote unquote, not cool. Alder woman Kara Spencer also chimed in saying no leader to resort to intimidation. Know that she is challenging Mayor Cruson for her job title. And Cruson has apologized for releasing the addresses during that Facebook Live event last week when she was giving her regular COVID update in the community. She's apologized. It's on our website, ksdk.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Incoming transmission 07012020. That's a lot of zeros. Add another one. It's your zero hero myself, me myself and i here with uh what i think is important i've been thinking about it a little bit all day and it may seem like all those clips um don't necessarily all come together do they though um the first clip has joey gibson of patriot prayer uh <laughs> giving a call to action speech at the same rally what looked at like honestly it looked like the same exact stage that sasha baron cohen had uh bombed either earlier or later in the day it looked like the same exact stage at the same exact rally but that first clip was joey gibson uh asking small town communities to defend themselves because uh the the, the government's tyrannical and there's a bunch of looters and rioters out there so you better grab your guns that second clip was from a youtuber who uh I think it goes by prepping patriot he uh was discussing how he had gotten in contact with a i think it was mississippi or missouri i think it was missouri um doo -doo -doo -doo. i'm pretty sure it was missouri but he got in contact with a sheriff who allegedly only had three deputies and was thus looking for some recruitments looking for some help uh so that's yeah, missouri and so that 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 was an interesting little bit a call to action missouri uh this man right here asking even more people just on the internet uh to come help him defend this small community from antifa types and then we have over that same weekend 
I'm an, I, I, I didn't hear anything about uh, certain militia groups out in Missouri um, just because it's kind of hard to keep up with every single protest that's going on. Um, the class warfare report, you know, but trying to encapsulate or even uh, observe it all just with the two eyes and two ears and one brain that I have, uh, it's infinitely impossible. So I grab these little pieces and hope that we can collect our data and information together and make a strong coalition against oppression and uh hate maybe maybe even death but let's for another day for for now we we keep talking about these calls to action this is what's captured me for today was the calls to action that i've been seeing and i think ken and karen here ken and karen mccloskey um definitely personify a bit of that action but there's even more to get into this it's uh pretty nuts the farther that i went but we had that first report uh discussing what happened which barely discussed what happened and so i thought why not find the first interview he had to get his side of the story right because last night i found out that he did his round on Tucker Carlson, CNN, and BBC. And then I think he did another local web, uh, uh, local news outlet. So he hit uh, almost like four or five news outlets in a day to get his story out there alongside his lawyer, which I think is funny because Ken McCloskey here, Ken's not his real name, but you know what I'm doing. Ken here, um, he is a lawyer so i think it's fascinating that he brought like especially in the cnn interview which i think he brought him in the in the in the fox news one as well um i wanted to compare the two interviews a little bit but he's a lawyer who brought lawyer representation to an interview i find that pretty interesting but that's maybe so he can uh get his own biases out of there when he needs to which you know think thinking about it that's pretty clever because here in his first interview in his local in his local news he doesn't seem to have his lawyer present and i think is probably his most authentic interview so we still might be wondering what 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 did those three clips have to do with it and what does ken and karen have to do with it call to action call to action and i've been seeing it um from so many uh right-wing sources that it's worth talking about and i think i've got the right recipe to uh not get it right but at least start building a foundation of the context rhetoric and atmosphere that is building around us because that's the only thing i can really observe is the um, meticulous placing of these legos in the grand structure of things i can see parts of the structure and for that i give to you but I've been noticing a bunch of places everywhere. And what I heard today, and I haven't checked it yet, but I heard that our president said Black Lives Matter is hate. It has something to do with hate. Uh, something about the words themselves being hateful. Not really sure i kind of just heard about it in uh the news briefing it looks like he did an interview today as well for fox news a lot of campaigning tweets 
Uh, Horrible BLM chat. Maybe our great police. New York City is cutting police dollars by $1 billion, and yet the New York City mayor is going to paint a big, expensive yellow Black Lives Matter sign on Fifth Avenue, denigrating this luxury avenue. Mm, that's harsh words, too. Uh, this will further antagonize New York's finest. I'm sure he's speaking to the police. Um, I'm not sure if it's the billion dollars he means that is going to antagonize the New York's finest or if he means the Black Lives Matter sign on Fifth Avenue or if it's the combination of both that's going to piss off New York's finest. I'm not really sure. Um, horrible BLM chat. I'm not really seeing anything here specifically about BLM words representing hate and here he is uh retweeting senate republicans since democrats don't speak out against the destruction happening in liberal cities across america we will um, just antagonistic uh opposition language the lone warrior he retweeted that that's that's interesting that's almost like saying the lone wolf which is you know what they call uh the, the people who shoot up soft targets um Let's see. Do 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 do. You know, uh, maybe I am chasing this rabbit hole too far down. I'm not really seeing anything here about Trump saying BLM is directly related to hate, but anybody is worthy of proving me wrong. I'm sure he said it somewhere, but I'm just not seeing it specifically. Do 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 do. And, I mean, if I look it up in an article, too, I feel like that's just going to Trump BLM is hate speech. I don't know. Uh, do, do, do. Trump calls Black Lives Matter a symbol of hate. Yeah, that's what I had heard. Uh, this is reported by CNN, Politico, and Forbes. I'm just going to click more. Uh, New York Times, Voice of America. See, and it said painting Black Lives Wednesday. So. Uh, Trump caught a symbol of hate. Did I just not read that full Twitter post? Said a mural. Oh. Yeah, I should have read the second tweet. Uh, the second tweet reads, Horrible BLM chat. Pigs in a blanket. Fry them like bacon. Eh, that one's new to me. And it's strange, too, because usually they rhyme. Like, uh, the cops and clan go hand in hand. Um, yeah. Maybe our great police who have been neutralized and scorned by a mayor who hates and disrespects them won't let this symbol of hate be affixed to New York's greatest street. Spend this money fighting crime instead. There it is. So, um, yeah, Black Lives Matter sign on Fifth Avenue is a symbol of hate. 
my bad i got that wrong but that in itself is that kind of antagonistic language that also paints blm as that antifa movement when he's been spending so much time claiming that antifa is made up of thugs and anarchists who want to destroy your cities and traditional values you see what i'm getting at here and donald isn't alone in in this uh in this work he's he is not alone in this work as you could hear at the beginning that was joey gibson asking people to defend their neighborhoods against riots and looters because the politicians are doing nothing and then we had uh the prepping patriot guy saying the same thing but he was being called upon by a sheriff because the sheriff only had three deputies to stop any vandalism uh, but this it's it's all questionable whether that uh, sheriff deputy is really being honest, you know, uh, and what what is the dynamics of that city? I don't know. I didn't get in contact. I don't even know the whole story. And we don't have time to research that one specifically. So if you want to find out about Missouri's sheriff, please just do the research. It was uh, the Missouri Sheriff's Department on uh, June. Let's see. Yesterday was the 30th, so it would have been maybe the 27th. Last Saturday. Saturday from now. I would say the 27th. Yes. Um, just Google uh, Missouri Sheriff's June 27th, 2020. See what it gives you. Um, because we got to move on to this fact right here. Right before I hopped on this bitch, um, Willie G here was covering the downtown provo protest which i'm not really sure what fuck provo is it's a hashtag yeah i guess that's the name of the city in downtown provo great that's it's a great video of uh protesters getting run over by a van um but willie g here was following a group of counter protesters and Willie G is on the ground in the protest going on in Utah right now, following the counter protesters to the protesters. And here is what he has to say about the counter protesters. He says he got close. All right. Well, let's see here. Do, 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 do. All right. One of his first is his second tweet to him uh, saying to the fact that he was there. It says, I'm closer now. They are discussing splitting into groups, assigning team leaders, as well as videographers. More guns spotted, including handguns. They are also warning the gun owners to not fire. Warning folks to not point guns or make threats, saying to let protesters protest. Quote, if protesters become violent, you have a right to protect yourself and the community. Unquote. Uh, the leader is saying to record any offenses potential protesters will engage in. Report through the chain of command. So there's a chain of command. You have the right to detain offenders, unquote. Quote, drink a lot of water. Don't get hangry. Be calm, cool, and collected. A former police officer is now speaking, handing out rules. This is very interesting. He never really specifies what group this is. Um, but he does hashtag Black Lives Matter, so I think he's trying to bring at least a bit of awareness that this group is uh, active in these protests. Now, when I scroll down, and there's a lot going here, like of them talking about how they need to be careful to not shoot anybody because they're all armed. Um, man in counter-protest shouts, I love you, to African-Americans speaking to the counter-protest crowd. Counter-protest organizer accuses a protester of having a can of spray paint to deface property. Person 
person urging people to defend the temple if attempts are made to vandalize it. Counter-protest group about to disperse ended with a prayer. I'll keep posting updates to protest events as I observe them. Again, this is at Willie underscore G98. Um, he says right here, uh, breaking, I'm going to stop tweeting for a bit because I got to use the restroom. Willie Gen William Gentry, your reliable source of news. Shouts out. Um, he's got pictures of Trump flags being waved by the counter-protesters. Now, hopefully... My internet doesn't fuck up here because he actually got an interview with a counter protester. Let's see here. Uh, we have a tweet here while things load asking one of the camouflaged individuals who they are with. He said, No one currently. There is nothing to identify them or their affiliation. We're just concerned citizens, quote unquote, here to keep things peaceful. That's what he uh, said. One of the counter protesters had said. They're just concerned citizens. Yeah, and here we have a bit of a picture of the uh, heavily armed camouflaged individuals at the counter protest. Um, he says here, when asked who they are with one. Uh, when asked who they are with one said quote concerned citizens now they are completely in camouflage with backpacks helmets uh they got yellow armbands they got numbers on the back of their helmets some of them on their other side of their armbands uh spot uh some ar type rifle at the front um these people are in Utah, and it seems like Utah might have an open carry. Here's another picture here. Again, if you, they're right there. Yeah, see, he's got a number, U28, right above his yellow band. And then he also reports that there is a good boy at the protest, which looks like a black lab mix. Um, let's see. I don't know if he took down the video of his interview with him. It says armed counter protesters on three corners of the intersection while BLM protesters are just one. He has a video of it, and here it is. Here's uh, the video of one of the counter-protesters he interviewed. It really pissed me off. That's why I came here. Yeah. Make sure that Let's doesn't happen the... again. Yeah. Are you from... Let's start Let's from the, the events of yesterday. The guy getting shot? Yeah. That really pissed me off. That's why I came here. Yeah. Make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Are you from around here? Yeah, I'm from Saratoga Springs. Oh, cool. Um... So, it, well, if you could talk to them, um, which I guess you could, <laughs> uh, what would you say to them? Well, first I'd start probably asking questions, you know, making sure I understand exactly why, what some of their opinions are um, without stating my own, you know, because I'm not here to be confrontational. I just want to let them do their thing and keep some of the crazy ones from going crazy, I guess, you know. All righty. To the events yeah. of yesterday. The yeah. guy getting shot. He, he's just there to keep the crazy ones from going crazy. That's why he brought his gun. 
Um, yep. Uh, there's a wonderful quote that I just love from Kidding Season 2. Um, the Jim Carrey is having a pretty hard time and he's hiding because the whole world wants to kill him. And his dad is sitting there with a BB gun protecting him. And he says that the whole world is filled with crazy people that thinks the whole world is filled with crazy people. You know. I think that was the quote. And I love it. And I love it so much because that guy just kind of personified it there. Um, and by this, we can also, by this, him saying that he came out to protect the situation, just to me, is ringing the echoes of people getting calls to action. And he is not alone in this. He is not alone, as we heard from Joey Gibson, prepping Patri Patriot. And what I'm going to get into now with Ken and Karen, because how did Ken and Karen uh, get roped into call to action? Well, first, we're just going to have to listen to why Ken went outside in the first place. All right. So, Mark, um, thanks for giving me a few wow. minutes. Wow. You know Let's what's gnarly? Get right, right to it. I know you have to prepare for a mediation. And it um, says it's playing on there. It says it's even playing. I just can't hear it. So what am I going to do, huh? Tell me. Hmm. What am I going to do if I can't hear the video, but it is playing? What happened? Yeah, I think they did like a stereo interview and it's just off to the to the side, so I can't actually hear it. So what we're going to have to do is some real shit real quick. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Pardon the technical difficulties while I fix them. I'm just going to have to do it like this. hear how he says that he mentions the words private property and apparently and allegedly into his own uh, testament the crowd loses their mind I think that's hilarious
Um, I stood out there. The only thing we said is this is private property. Go back, private property, leave now. Um, at that point, everybody got in range. There were people wearing body armor. One person pulled out the loaded uh, pistol magazines and clicked them together and said, you were next. Uh, we were threatened with our lives. Threatened with our now, I'm not going to sit here and pause everything and refute everything he has to say because with the videos that I'm going to watch, this man actually has a very concise story. and He seems to always hit the same points to make sure it's always very concise, and it's almost like he knows how to convince people of a narrative. It's almost like that, and it might be because he's a lawyer, but also he might have a believable story. I don't necessarily buy it because there's if you actually support BLM in the ways that he says him and his wife do, you don't show up with guns. You show up with water or maybe uh, uh, signs. But he's freaking out because he lives in a gated community and people broke into it to go to the mayor's house. And it just freaked him out, the idea that there were pro uh, protesters inside of his gated community. Now, what I am blaming this on. And the reason why he is so scared and why he's paranoid is because of his own implicit biases and also because of the fact that we have Fox News and many others, predominantly Fox News, painting or and Trump painting protesters as anarchist criminal thugs who riot, loot, pillage, uh, all kinds of things running the white person's imagination the rich white person the rich privileged person's imagination wild on what it could be like in those inner cities where things just seem to be madness right and then it goes into his neighborhood that is why i believe he has this response it is fear it's genuine fear but it's a fear built up in misconceptions and I blame all these call to actions. That's what brought Ken and Karen out with some guns. The house party burned down, my office building being burned down, even our dog's life being threatened. Um, it, was, it was about as bad as it can get. I mean, and it was, you know, I really thought it was storming the Bastille, that we would be dead and the house would be burned and there was nothing we could do about it. It was a huge and, and frightening crowd and they were, they broke in the gate and were coming at us. There have been some... Um, he thinks like that BLM's trying to eat the rich. It was an organized <laughs> protest to the mayor's house. He justifies his response because that street, even that street, is like his living room. Um, I need to just skip ahead because we're going to hear him talk a lot, and I want to get to one section that I know he talks about briefly. It's a, it's a revolution growing up there. There it is. So when we come to the side of the start, Let's keep going. Let's go to when she asked the question to actually get the context. 
We're working fine as you and your wife on the patio armed now after the fact. What do you think? Well, you know, we were obviously upset. My wife doesn't know anything about guns, but she knows about being scared. And she grabbed a pistol, um, and I had a rifle. And I was very careful. I didn't point the rifle at anybody. The only thing that stopped the crowd from approaching the house was when I had that rifle, and I was holding it. It's the only thing that stemmed the tide. I was, I, um, I can't blame my wife for being terrified and for doing what she could to protect what she thought was her, her life. Um, it was, it was um, you know, a horrible, horrible event. And to call these people protesters, these are, I've lived in the city of St. Louis for 32 years. We were, you know, urban pioneers back when we bought a place in 1988. Um, urban pioneers in 1988. <laughs> neighborhood going um it is very frustrating to see it get targeted and of course we've been told by the press and by uh, uh, um, expect us that they wanted to start targeting on um, middle class neighborhoods and upper class neighborhoods and and, uh, and bring the, the you know their their revolution outside of the, the the cities and we got an email from our trustees on Right on Thursday, saying that they were going to do this on Friday, we were very worried about it. When I drove to the office today, there's um, spray painted on one of the boarded up buildings on Maryland Plaza slogan saying that on the on the board up that when we come to f stuff up, this isn't going to stop us. It's a it's a uh, it's a revolution growing up he believes that it's a revolution going on there boy oh boy oh boy oh boy uh do i wish that he was right and then i might be a little bit more uh understanding of him bringing out that gun but it's not it's not a revolution my dude and to be perfectly honest reform really never will be but when the revolution actually comes you'll know bro you'll know but i like him sticking to those right wing talking points to get that specific message across that the reason why they were scared was not because they were black but for ideological reasons uh-huh uh-huh ah any regrets about what happened i regret they broke in the gate i can tell you that i mean when I, i'll say this there is uh, there's mayhem in the city every night, and you never hear about it. There'll be dozens of shootings, multiple deaths. No one seems to care about those black lives. Um, but but you know it's it, when it's when there are political political capital to be made from somebody's death. That death matters. No Boom. The man reveals his power level in that he believes BLM is a liberal-funded movement that only uses black people's deaths to exploit civil rights out of the state. <laughs> the man revealed his hand in his very first interview on his local news. Now, this is going to be important because when he goes on CNN and Fox, these certain kind of messages start to dwindle away certain other things still get across i don't know how intentional 
this man is in his rhetoric, but he seems pretty well versed in almost all current talking points surrounding BLM. And I wonder how that happens. Could it be some kind of echo chamber of right-wing propaganda, never-ending, constantly, always on the same page of the same issues at the same time? I wonder. All right, moving on. Their life matters uh, that I can see. You know, I, I do civil rights cases. Right now, I'm representing a young man who was uh, uh, assaulted by the police who's, who's sitting in prison right now um, for being involved in a car accident after which uh, the, the police came and, and assaulted him. It's on video. Um, I'm not some kind of extreme... Uh, so, because he's willing to defend somebody uh, who was abused by the police, that makes him a civil rights activist? Fascinating. It's a very low bar to meet. You know, anti-Black Lives Matter guy. I, I do these cases. I, I, I have been doing them for, for decades. And is he is he suggesting that the young man was beaten was black? Because he never really specified his color. Not that you know, in the context of BLM, that kind of matters. I mean, I have on the wall of my conference room, I've got an anti-slavery. Um, broadsheet, an abolitionist broadsheet from 1832. Been there as long as I've owned this building. I mean, this, I am not, I am not the enemy of people that really care about black lives. But I'm apparently the enemy of the, the terrorists and the, the Marxists. Ha ha! There it is again. He is an enemy to the terrorists and the Marxists. <sighs> now, whoever he's been listening to. He has been listening to them well. Because, boy, oh, boy, did he justify his acts as if he was terrorized and attacked by Marxism. Isn't that interesting? I think that's interesting, especially with the whole uh, Red Scare of the 50s and 60s and also the the whole, uh, you know, anarchist Antifa rhetoric coming out of our own president. So, uh, tons of cool beans, guys. Tons of cool beans. Let's get into the next part where our boy Tucky Carls gets to talk to Ken himself alongside probably his lawyer. I'm going to start here with uh, his first experience, uh, not his first, but with his well, one of his debuts into the world stage. So, Ken, take it away. Lewis couple called Mark and Patricia McCloskey became folk heroes to many across the country after they were confronted by a mob, a dangerous mob, outside their home and returned with firearms to protect it and themselves. pointing his gun at protesters right then this is what you were taught to do before tucker carlson gets into his brainwashing regiment i just wanted to point out that right there as people are walking into the line of his barrel 
Because, I mean, he could almost point it at his wife, too. He really should be pointing it in the air if he was uh, responsible. Another another responsible position would be the downward. Um, I did see he had a hard time getting his strap on when he uh, first brought the gun out when he got to the porch. But, you know, maybe having that prepped and ready for when you have to use your firearms so that you can point it in the in safety in safe uh, positions, maybe that's uh, in your self-interest, sir. Maybe you shouldn't have guns. Yep, 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 that's where I'm ending it. It's what generations of Americans have done. It's the most basic right of all, the right of self-defense. I don't think our Constitution has a right of self-defense. We have the right to bear arms. I'm not sure that's the same thing. The McCloskeys exercised that right, and now they're coming close to being destroyed. They stood up for themselves against the mob. The McCloskey's fate remains in the hands of the mob in the form of the St. Louis Circuit Attorney General Kimberly Gardner. Gardner is a radical pro <laughs> The prosecutor's doing her job and it's mob justice. Prosecutor won many elected in recent years with Somebody came that entire oh, no. time. I looked over at my wife and I oh, said, no. Oh my God, we're absolutely you were taught to do. It's what generations of Americans have done. It's the most exercise that up for themselves against the mob. The McCloskey's fate remains in the hands of the mob in the form of the St. Louis Circuit Attorney General Kimberly Gardner. Gardner is a radical prosecutor, one of many elected in recent years, with financial backing from billionaire George Soros. In 2019, Gardner brought criminal charges in just 23% of the cases the St. Louis police brought her. Her policies have helped destroy that office, the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office. Since she took over, the prosecutor turnover there has surpassed 100%. Gardner's reaction to any criticism about this never changes. Alleged a racial conspiracy against her and then move on. At the start of this year, Gardner sued the local police union and several what? city officials accusing them of, quote, a racially motivated conspiracy to deny the civil rights of minorities. She charged them under the Ku Klux Klan Act, as if. After riots ripped through countless American cities, Gardner was clear about who she supported in it all. I've noticed that the attorney general is tweeting quite a bit about looters and rioters, and not about the fact that we have a history of police violence in the city and nation, and that has caused people to take to the streets yet again to demand for accountability and change in our criminal justice system. How dare you be angry about looting and crimes when the police are still out there enforcing the law? <laughs> After the McCloskey's defended... What he calls enforcing the law, uh, Black Lives Matter calls killing innocent people. ...themselves. Gardner finally found a crime she cares about. She promised to have them punished if she could. I am disturbed by the events that occurred over this weekend where there were peaceful protesters who were met with guns and a violent assault. We must protect the rights to peacefully protest and any attempts to chill it through intimidation or use of force will not be tolerated. Since learning of these events over this weekend, I've worked with the public and the police to investigate these tragic events. I will use every extent of Missouri law to hold individuals accountable. Mark McCloskey joins us tonight along with his attorney, Albert Watkins. Mr. McCloskey, first two, thanks so much for coming on. And I'm glad you're on because you will tell your own story rather than having it told for you by ideologues. Describe for us, if you would, mm -hmm. why you believed you and your wife were threatened 
by these 300 people in your it's funny that he even used ideologues as it's a negative term i got called that once by a online conservative and i think that has got to be one of the weirdest like weirdest disses that anybody could throw at you because like being an idealist like really isn't that wrong as long as you're not dogmatic on it like i just think like even dogmatic pragmatists get on my fucking nerves like dogmas just get on my fucking nerves <sighs> And that's like why the conservative conservatism really gets on my nerves is because it is so dogmatic. I can see the same thing happening in liberalism, but like conservatism really is just fucking hegemony, 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 and like it's just your yard too much. Well, Tucker, you've got to you got to understand. My house sits right on the edge of a road called Kings Highway, and our private place is Portland Place, where my wife and I were preparing to have dinner maybe 70 feet from the gate. By the time we looked up, we saw the, the uh, marchers coming down Kings Highway and getting loud. We looked over at the gate and there's no police there. Our private security wasn't there. Nobody's there and I look over at my wife and I see all these people outside. It's really funny too is that uh, both like I've seen everybody who's talked to him or even reported on this uses this video right here of the protesters walking in through the gates and as you can see as the protesters are walking through the gates that the gate there. is intact. There and I look over at my wife. So my guess would be is that after he points guns at people that's when the gate gets fucked up. And I see all these people outside the gate and then the gate bursts open people start coming in and then he says burst open, but again, like if you watch this video clip, that guy is like holding the door open for people as they walk in. It's pretty uh, chivalry. It's it's chivalrous. So, and a flood <laughs> of people start coming in. They're angry. They're screaming. They've got spittle coming out of their mouth. They're coming towards the house. And you know, on June the second of this year, the the uh, protests in downtown St. Louis went violent instantly. People the looting and violence and rioting. I watched on live TV the 7-Eleven in downtown St. Louis from the moment the first window was broken throughout the looting process till the fire was started and then till the fire fully engaged the building and nobody came that entire time. I looked over at my wife and I said, oh my God, we're absolutely alone. There's nobody here to protect us but us. Uh. Is that really the justification that he has for his fear is that he saw 7-Eleven get burned and looted? I looked up the date that he was talking about and, uh, you know, that was literally days after George Floyd had been murdered. And so there was a lot of those situations going on. But I personally have not found or seen or been given any accounts of people breaking into other people's houses, murdering their dogs and their wives and burning their house down because they're rich. Um, this isn't the French Revolution. This is Black Lives Matter. The fact that these guys cannot tell and then will talk to each other about how they can't tell about it and then report that to my grandma, your grandma, somebody else's grandma. I, I assume most Fox viewers are boomers, but I know, too, that Gen Z and Millennials are also watching their predecessors below them. But it's that language. It's that thing right there that is um, 
the hostility that brings out the antagonism from the movement that is just trying to get some recognition and respect um, for a community of people that live inside of this country. And when you respond with tear gas, rubber bullets, or in the Ken and Karen experience, um, it doesn't show support. It shows actual contempt and disgust for the people who are trying to become validated. That's what I have to say about that. That is the same night retired police captain David Doran was murdered. When I saw that mob come through the gate with their rage and their, and their anger, rage I thought and that anger. we would be overrun in a second. By the time I was out there with my rifle, the people were 20 or 30 feet from my front wall. I've got a low wall that separates the house from, from my front yard. And so I was, I was literally afraid that within seconds, they would surmount the wall, come into the house, kill us, burn the house down, and everything that I'd worked for and struggled for for the last 32 years. Tucker, I lived out in West St. Louis County in a nice, secure neighborhood. 32 years ago, we moved into the city and, and took on a project to restore a house that nobody else wanted. And, you know, we're, we were urban pioneers in those days, and uh, we've been there ever since working to, to build and maintain St. Louis in this, in this very historic neighborhood. Urban pioneers in 1982. I, I saw it all going up I in flames and my life destroyed in an instant. And I did what I thought I had Amen. to do to protect my hearth, my home, and my family. Well, no one was protecting you, and they were screaming at you and threatening you and threatening to murder your dog and harm you and your wife. And that's all off of his word because I haven't seen any of the videos of anybody clipping clips at them or anybody saying that they were going to kill their dog. I'm sure people wanted to talk to her, as we can see in this pause right here. They wanted to talk to her and be like, lady, put the gun down. Because like I said, if you wanted to show that you're actually uh, supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement, you would offer bottled waters because they're not interested in wrecking people's personal lives. They're interested in improving people's personal lives. You sick, sick sick pedantic motherfuckers what do you make of the attacks on you for doing what we used to believe every homeowner had an obligation to do why are they denouncing you, know, you as just, a racist had an obligation i to don't do. understand and you know they haven't broken the into their thing. property i've spent my career defending people that are defenseless for people that are having a hard time making their miracle happen for people that don't have a voice my black clients love us the night that this happened, I had some I of our black clients black calling clients. us up until 2.30 in the morning, telling us how wrong it was the way the press was writing us up, telling how wrong it was that, that we should be portrayed as racist. This is what I do for a living. I, I help people that are down and that need a hand and the people that need a voice. To call us racist is ridiculous, and it had nothing to do with race. I wasn't worried what the race was of, this, of these the mob that came through my gate, I was worried that I was going to be killed. I didn't of care what, what race they were. And like we got from the very first interview, because I think it's going to end. Hold on. Disgusting. Very quickly, Mr. Watkins, do you think that the McCloskeys face the risk of being prosecuted in this? All right. Well, before Watts, Watskin or whatever his name is answers that, before his lawyer answers that, which is weird because the, I feel like the lawyer would know his own case too. Okay. Um, but 
he says that he was just worried about that they were going to kill him. And as I learned from his very first interview in his own local news, is that he was afraid that they were terrorists and Marxists. So he doesn't care about what color you are. He cares about your ideology, which, to be honest, is a form of discrimination. Like, it is. It is. Given the fact that we have a political... One that Fox News and Tucker Carlson are willing to ignore. Or encourage. If the law prevails, long-standing Missouri law prevails, they're fine. Yep. Boy, we're certainly rooting for you. This is really... A revealing moment and a travesty. I hope you're. I'm glad you're well. Thank you for coming on tonight, Mark McCloskey, well, Albert Parker. Watkins. Thank you. Hmm. It's not a travesty that the the situation is tearing apart our communities. It's a travesty that these people are being charged for intimidating uh, protesters. Fuel. That's Tucker Carlson with the news. Is it toxic? You decide. Um, Chris Cuomo then gets his piece. I wonder if these guys just sat in the same studio to talk to everybody because they're wearing the same suits. Um, And it's also pretty weird that they would schedule all of their shit for one day. Like it's it's weird. And it's it's I I get kind of like balloon boy esque vibes from this. Like they like going viral. So, Cuomo, how are you going to do him? Now joined by Mark McCloskey. He is the St. Louis homeowner we told you about uh, in that video that's all over social media. He and his wife uh, holding guns, uh, keeping protesters away, uh, in their opinion, from their home on a private street. He is an attorney. And- See, and uh, in this clip here, he, he definitely, when he's pivoting, is pointing the gun at protesters. And a slip of the finger could have killed somebody in their opinion from their home on a private street he is an attorney and the couple also has outside counsel who joins us now albert watkins thank you both for joining me indeed indeed um counselor indeed. Uh, and mr mccloskey slash counselor <laughs> uh we can talk about uh the legal rights and the facts um i want to talk about not having a right but whether or not something is right first which is how do you feel about becoming the face of political resistance to the Black Lives Matter movement? First of all, that's a completely uh, ridiculous statement. I'm not the face of anything opposing the Black Lives Matter movement. I was a person scared for my life who was protecting my wife, my home, my hearth, my livelihood. I was a victim of a mob that came through the gate. I didn't care what color they were. I didn't care what their motivation was. I was frightened, I was assaulted, and I was in imminent fear that they would run me over, kill me, burn my house, and you have to have this in the context of St. Louis. The only reason why everybody is sticking around and pointing their fingers and filming and watching this guy is because he decided to come outside with a fucking gun. Um, him and his wife, they just dis- they both decided to come out with this weird flex, and again, he is trying to get the point across that it wasn't an anti-protest moment it was a me defending my house moment but you know they didn't care about your house they didn't care about you they were there for uh what's her name newsom was it newsom i don't fucking know the mayor's name 
Dennett, Den the mayor who read out every uh, protesters, uh, no, not even protesters, but just citizens in the in the town hall meetings. She read out their addresses. She got she doxed her own citizens on Facebook, and they were on their way to protest her, which many news outlets have talked about, and uh, um, expect us the the organizer himself. Um, and so by having them build this narrative that they were protecting their property, it's that narrative itself that ordinary citizens have to do what they need to do, which is defend themselves and defend their country. And that's where it fits in, too, where he sees this movement as a movement of terrorists, even though he is probably in full knowledge what the protest is for. This is a flex. This is a flex. Lewis, where on June the 2nd of this year, I watched the city burn. I watched the 7-Eleven get smashed in, looted, and burned for 40 minutes on live television with nobody showing up to do anything. And I realized at that time, we're on our own. When bad things happen, they unpredictably turn really bad, real fast. That same night, retired St. Louis Police Captain David Doran was murdered. These things get very bad very quickly, and when those people came through the gate, one turned really bad, real fast. That same night, retired St. Louis Police Captain David Doran was murdered. These things get very bad very quickly, and when those people came through the gate, hmm. when it was a mob, I didn't take the time to see their, their birth certificates hmm. or anything else. I was defending my, my house, my life, my wife, and what I've spent 32 years building there. I understand what you say your rationale was. Uh, to be clear, did anything happen to you or your property? Did anything happen? Yeah, my, my, my uh, life has been ruined. No, I'm no, 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 target, no, no. Uh, we'll get to that, Mr. McCloskey. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm saying... He, I don't really like Chris Cuomo all that much. He's all right. Um, he's, I don't know. He's, he's a guy. Um, but what's very fascinating here is how he actually turns on the Carlson and he turns on the O'Reilly and I don't watch CNN or any of these news channels enough. I actually watch Fox the most, which is pretty funny. Um, but he turns on that switch where he is actually a lot more aggressive in this kind of interview where he is pressing this man pretty fucking hard. And I don't know if it's just because he sits on the right or if because he's an actual lawyer that he feels even more comfortable to press him as hard as he does. But he goes like full on Carlson O'Reilly interruptive. And I find that extremely interesting. That night, did anything happen to you, your family or your property? Yeah, it's called social intimidation. It's called terrorism. Chris, there what's the definition of terrorism? To use See, he thinks it was a personal attack on him of terrorism. And that's his justification for this. But yet again, it was a protest movement. Violence and intimidation to frighten the public. That's what was happening that night. It's what happened to me. And that's the damage I suffered. So I think it really does fit into this whole s slimy narrative that we're getting of a call to action that seems to be amplifying over time, that this, this, this call is becoming louder and um, more live as we continue on. We've seen four shootings in Seattle, and uh, I'm not saying those are necessarily driven by quote-unquote concerned citizens, but we know that there's been calls out there to by sheriffs 
And from here on William's Twitter, just before I hopped on, he has the same thing of people just dressed up in military gear with AR-15s. Here's another picture of the heavily armed, unidentified camouflage individuals. He says that they let them take his picture, or he let they let him take their picture, sorry. And it says they have patches on their right arms which say U-08, U-26, and U-28, etc. These guys look like they are heavily funded. Got tack lights on this gun. Looks like a M4 kind of variant. Different kind of stock on that too. That's definitely its own kind of stock. Cause that maybe maybe it's a military. Uh, maybe it's a. Uh, oh, I forgot the word for it. All right, fuck it. Moving on. But yeah, just before I hop on, we have Utah with its own concerned citizens showing up to a, a BLM protest as as counter protesters to make sure that the count uh, the the blm protesters don't get unpeaceful and i think karen and ken are also a part of this narrative so i'm gonna get just a little bit more and then we're gonna hop into one more thing you were the one and pointing a loaded weapon at a group of people who were walking past looking for the mayor's house as a point of protest. No, I'm doing this. Chris, that's an entirely false concept. No single media outlet has ever mentioned the complete falsity of that statement. The mayor's house cannot be reached through my neighborhood. Lyda Cruzen lives up on a road called Lake and Washington. That's three blocks north and a half a mile west of my house. So where do you think they to were going? They were going through a private neighborhood for the intention of going through a private neighborhood, in my humble opinion. In retrospect, at the time, I didn't have any time to think about this. However, the leader <laughs> of the entity called Expect Us that organized this, whatever it was, announced ahead of time that he does not want to have a peaceful protest. He wants yeah. to have it be as disruptive as possible. Yeah. And when interviewed subsequently, he said, I know it was illegal. I know it was a private neighborhood. But when you're doing protests of this nature, it's necessary to break the law to get your ends met. And that yeah, yeah, he did say that in uh, in he even said that on uh, local news uh, when after this incident, and uh, that is the 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 main objective of nonviolent protests is to be uh, disruptive and constructive at the same damn time because you're trying to have a constructive discussion um on you know how we're going to organize this uh cosmic karma and then <laughs> man i wish i just hadn't lost my point there's a difference between peaceful protests and nonviolent protests a peaceful protest would be along the lines of I don't I don't know what that would be um maybe it's with the uh I, I you know um yeah I'm not really sure what a peaceful protest is because uh it's certainly not a fully effective one because to be fully effective is to be disruptive and disruptive isn't peaceful it's disruptive you can't have peace and disruption at the same time uh, peace says harmony disruptive sounds like a uh, uh, wrench in the gears a nonviolent protest however 
is the act of protesting without causing physical harm and that's what i believe is the aim and objective of expect us blm and many others who actually want to have an effective movement is to have non-violent protests that are disruptive and gunking up the machine because that 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 what if you if you have something peaceful it's too harmonious right and it's not going to gunk up the machine it's the machine will just keep on rolling and nothing will get done but if you gunk up the machine with a non-violent protest by being disruptive and in in the way but not causing harm um then i think you can be a lot more effective in a democracy i would believe so but we're going to have to leave the the rhetoric here of ken mccloskey and his lawyer because i don't really want to listen to andrew cuomo interrupt him while he mischaracterizes many others positions because it really would have been nice to actually have ken come up and discuss like the situation with the organizer from expect us and to have them hash out their differences on air you know maybe see if they can meet a common ground um, because it seems like they don't agree at all. Even though he says that he's not anti-BLM whatsoever, um, he doesn't seem to agree with the methods or the protests themselves because he sees them as terrorists, and he sees them as Marxists, which he equates to terrorists. So trying to convince him may be hopeless, but maybe ha forcing him to have a constructive conversation with the organizer from Expect Us, that would have uh, shamed him to a degree. Maybe, maybe not. It depends how much shame he has. So let's get into the fat of the night. Right here. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. For more than a month, mobs of violent, crazy people have roamed this country, terrorizing citizens and destroying things. No one has stopped them from doing that, so they've continued and they've become stronger. Politicians now cower before the mob. Corporate America mouths their slogans. The education cartel, enforced on your children, enforces their demands. Police officers, emasculated and restrained, watch it all from the sidelines, unable to help. For weeks we've asked, who will stand up for this country? And the answer we're learning is Americans. Americans will. It's up to them. Small groups of citizens are beginning to come forward to defend their laws, defend their history and their culture. Antifa does not own these things, neither does Black Lives Matter. They have no right to destroy them. In New York City over the weekend, a group of citizens gathered to defend a statue of Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was the most popular history president in the history of this nation. That's partly because he was a sterling moral example. Antifa wants him erased. Local officials have said they will comply with that demand. No one asked the public what the public thinks of this. Our leaders don't care what... That's pretty funny. Like, he already just said right there that these people uh, who actually went out there to... Uh, protest and want this sign removed um, he says that they aren't a part of the public opinion what they think this group decided to be heard we will see to it that you fall and you fall so hard Yo, you ain't no one hit you check your privilege and get back over there Yo, Whoa. Yo, Yo. Talking to, huh? You got something to say, little boy? You got something to say, little boy? No, you don't, do you? No, you I don't do. There. No, I'll stand wherever I, I think want. You 
Well, you're bigots. You don't understand the Constitution. Is that the, the best you got, Dolly All boy? Men are Is that the best you got, baby boy? Is that the best you got? That's the New York we love. Is that the best you got? That's the New York they love. Where is that the best you got? Is the best you got. Right, Tuck? Yes, actually, it is the best they've got. Tear off the mask, turn down the volume, <laughs> and you see it very clearly. The mob is not fearsome. It's pathetic. You see how it is to how easy it is to mischaracterize people and make them look a fool, especially when you're in control of context of clips. Man, is this a magician revealing the tricks? Because I, I might get banned from the Association of Magicians. These are pampered children play-acting at Revolution. They are cowards. That's why they move in packs. They have no skills. Cowards move in packs. That's funny. That's funny. Um, again, if anybody actually cares about democracy, there is a uh, cliche known as strength in numbers. Um, that's kind of how a democracy works, especially when you're trying to um, lift up a marginalized group from oppression. You're going to need strength in numbers. Hmm. All they can do is destroy. The closer you get to them, the clearer all of that is. They're trying to find this as a racial issue. This is not about race anymore. It never really was. This is about taking apart the, um, the fabric of America. See, and here we are again with another believer that BLM and this whole racial justice movement is actually here on a Marxist mission. She didn't say Marxist, I'll be honest, but her saying that we're uh, that BLM is trying to or I guess most of these protest movements not all of them are um, BLM uh, organized not not all of them Black Lives Matter seems to be more of a broad movement beyond the organization itself there's seems to be two of those now but these protests entirely are being equated to the destruction of the fabric of this country, as she said, and is being invaded by terrorists and Marxists, as Ken McCloskey said. And this is the rhetoric that, like I've said before, Fox News feeds into its people because these certain ideologies are the boogeyman of the 1950s and the 1960s that scare people. So a reason to... Uh, to not be racist in these anti-BLM movements and supporting the racist statues and the racist heritage of this country. They pivot and scapegoat ideology as the reason why they are anti to these movements that are actually civil rights movements. Well, exactly. We're living the 1960s again. This is again. not about racial justice. It never was about racial justice. That's obvious to the rest of us now. The president understands. No, it's always been about racial justice. The, 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 the thing I want people to understand, though, is that most of these um, conquests in policy has been pushed by leftist groups since the, the history of... Um, I would say movements in America. I, I guess because liberal is a twisted term here in America. So 
there has been a lot of liberation movements throughout the history of America, and a lot of them have been considered what we call today left wing. But a lot of them still seem to be rooted in the idea of socialism. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, Martin Luther King's movement was heavily driven by socialism. Angela Davis, another prominent leader at the time, was heavily driven by socialism. Socialism has been this thing that you know has been at America's doorstep as a possibility, but it always works as the perfect... Um, uh let's say broad term in order to demonize and vilify a certain group of people because if it can't be race then you have to go with the ideology um it's another what we would call class conflict if we were to look at this through a class warfare observation which i have to do because these are the kind of things that split our communities um, when you have people in a democracy where we tote our ability to participate in the halls of uh, intelligentsia or what, what, is a, what is another word? That, what are those other buzzwords? Uh, the free marketplace of ideas. And yet you have socialism immediately treated as a boogeyman devil, worshipping, reefer-smoking, heroin addict. Um, it, it just doesn't build healthy discourse, and it doesn't build a healthy community relationship. or I don't know, anything that's constructive... I would call most of it regressive. It's definitely a way to take two steps back every time people's consciousness takes a uh, leap forward. But let's let's get Tucker to his point, shall we? Understands it too. Last week, he issued an executive order to protect our monuments from the mob. On Saturday, the Department of Justice charged four people with destruction of federal property for vandalizing monuments right across from the White House. Federal Park Police posted 15 wanted posters online. The president retweeted them. <laughs> oh, but the overpaid corporate revolutionaries on cable news were outraged by that. Enforcing corporate the revolutionaries. Law, enforcing the law is corporate revolutionaries. <laughs> Holy shit. Corporate revolutionaries on the left mainstream media. God, what a what a delusional outlook on the world. Racist, they lectured us. MSNBC anchors enjoy seeing statues topple as they glide by in their car services. It makes them feel alive. Jesus. In another sign of where his priorities are during this time, the president signed a new executive order yesterday centered on protecting monuments, memorials, and statues. Not people. So he threatens prison terms. He threatens retribution. He defends statues. He ignores the substance of the message and wholly misses the mark. President Trump signed an executive order about the protests, but not to protect people dying at the hands of the state. Instead, he signed an order that denounced protesters who vandalize civil war monuments, protecting statues while real people suffer and some die such liars civil war monuments they're taking down statues of abraham lincoln 
isn't wasn't Abraham Lincoln like a big part of the Civil War? Pretty sure he was. And also, like, the only people that I've heard say that they're after the Abraham Lincoln statue is Trump. But I'm sure I've heard, like, other right-wing pundits say, oh, what's next? The Abraham Lincoln? Probably. But did you catch the last line? Well, real people suffer. Well, Patricia and Mark McCloskey are real people. They live in St. Louis. As their city degraded and fell apart around them, became dirty and dangerous over the last decades, they did not flee to the suburbs. Many of their neighbors did, but they stayed in their home. They've been in the same home for 32 years. They've rebuilt it entirely, slowly, painstakingly. They love it. On Sunday, the McCloskey... I highly doubt that they did it on their own. I'm sure they paid contractors. Um, it's fascinating that he then, like, when they're trying to, even when CNN and MSNBC, in the own clips that he provides, try to bring the message back to the fact that this is about black lives. And in fact, it's, you know, if white people really care about all the white people that are dying by the hands of cops, they should want this incentive, too. To, to, to support this movement that wants to reduce cop presence and uh, cop uh, excessive use of force. Instead of the real people who have died at the hands of police violence and the people who have been abused for protesting the police because of their violence, who just get violated some more... <laughs> He brings it to the McCloskeys, who are the real victims of this. You see how it all comes even in? Now, I did not know before I saw this video, which is called Tucker, Ordinary Citizens Stand Up as Politicians Cower to the Rage Mob. I already knew pretty early on I wanted to do a call to action episode, but once I had already the interviews from Canon McCloskey, I knew he was the figure to be that. He, I already knew he was their pick. And then I found the Cuomo interview. And then I found the Tucker interview. And his message, he just tries to spread as much as he can. I, didn't, I haven't even seen the BBC one. but And then the very actual very last video I found was this one where Tucker Carlson is actually calling out a action, calling out a will to action in a way. And he even ropes in Ken and Karen McCloskey because they are the faces of the ordinary citizens who are willing to stand up. He sat in their backyard together having dinner. Suddenly, as they ate, a mob of hundreds of screaming people destroyed a wrought iron gate with a no trespassing sign on it and came pouring in, moving toward them quickly. The McCloskeys were terrified. They'd watched as mobs looted and burned and assaulted citizens around the country. This mob was clearly intent on violence. They said so. When Mark McCloskey told them to leave, the mob threatened to murder him and his wife. Then they threatened to kill the family's dog. Panicked, the McCloskeys called the police. Then they called the neighborhood security patrol, but no one came. They had no choice to protect themselves. They went inside and got their, yes, legally registered firearms. If you 
actually are listening right now, uh, people in the protest, multiple people, are screaming, keep moving. It worked. Met finally by citizens who dared to... Met finally by citizens who dared to defend themselves. But the they had no threat on their way. But this is what I'm saying. Is it's that context. It's that environment building. This is that atmosphere that you get that takes people over the edge who believe that they are in the right position to kill protesters. And Ken did it because he was afraid that he was going to be killed by terrorists and Marxists. What kind of justification is that when you don't know a single individual in that crowd because you do not take to care, take care, you don't care to take the time to get to know them on an individual level and to understand why they are part of this movement and why you're on the other side standing in pink polo, white khakis, and a black rifle. Terror did not end. The sight of ordinary Americans standing up for themselves and their home enraged our professional class and they immediately put the McCloskey's name and their home address all over the internet. Threats poured in. Mark McCloskey spent last night boarding up his office downtown. He had no choice. Still, no one stepped forward to protect the McCloskeys, not one person. Amazingly, Missouri has a Republican governor, a former sheriff called Mike Parson. But Governor Parson did not send state troopers to defend the McCloskeys from Antifa. Governor Parson didn't even call them. From Antifa? Who said Antifa was there? broad statement to vilify a group of people to make it easier for people who see Antifa as terrorist groups so that they can then murder them? Is that? No, Tucker wouldn't do that, would he? Oh. There's a lot he could have done. The governor could have announced that as long as he runs the state, no citizen will be prosecuted for exercising the most basic of all rights, the right of self-defense against the mob. But the governor didn't do that. In fact, it's not he right. did nothing. And so, sensing they were completely undefended, the jackals I mean, descended on the McCloskeys. St. Louis's sure district attorney, a woman called Kim Gardner, announced that she was considering filing criminal charges against the McCloskeys for resisting the mob, a mob that was threatening to murder them. Gardner vowed to, quote, use the full power of Missouri law to hold the McCloskeys accountable for the crime of self-defense. Not the full power to defend them against people who are threatening to kill them, but the full power to crush them for resisting. The media, meanwhile, immediately set about nope. trying to show the McCloskeys There were were so racist. many lies in that. Here's how the Washington Post framed the story. Quote, as the peaceful crowd of about 500 walked along a private gated street, a white couple who emerged from a marble mansion had something else in mind. The New York Times agreed this was definitely a hate crime. Quote, President Trump on Monday morning retweeted a video of a white man and woman brandishing a semi-automatic rifle and a handgun at peaceful black protesters. Almost every word a lie. In fact, the mob was not, quote, black, whatever that means, and it definitely wasn't peaceful. It was murderous. Nor did anyone whatever explain what means. the McCloskey's race had to do with anything. A white man? A white couple? Okay, they are. So what? Why is that relevant? Why is it ever relevant in a situation like this? It's not. 
but again, no one bothered to explain it. Online, the- It does matter because I feel like when black people show up with guns, there's a completely different response by the police. Mobs digital enablers took the bait. They knew what to do. Time to hate the McCloskeys. A longtime libertarian activist in Washington called Jerry Taylor immediately tweeted this, quote, if I were in that march and these racist lunatics were waving guns at me, I'd like to think I'd rush them and beat their brains in. And I wouldn't apologize for it for one goddamn second, end quote. Jerry Taylor, by the way, isn't some lone lunatic. He runs a think tank in Washington. It's called the Niskanen Center. And yet he is kind of a lone lunatic because you put him up there as the, an example um, and it seems to be the only example of a death threat that we have gotten. And, uh, yeah, uh, does he own that think tank that you're saying? Oh, he privates his fucking account. What a, what a baby. Dude. It says in his bio he's a radical moderate. Get out of here. Here was Jerry Taylor, libertarian in good standing, encouraging brutal violence against strangers for defending themselves. No one even seems to notice. It, like, you could make that same argument for the protesters. Like, that's exactly what the McCloskeys did to them. And the protesters are in a form to protect themselves from future violence. <laughs> like, people could use their brains to make the world a better place, not make rich people richer. Like, eh. The message to everyone else was crystal clear. The mob is in charge. Their power cannot be curbed. Don't even consider defending yourself. Self-defense is racist. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer all but said that out loud today. Whitmer demanded that her state may make, quote, racially motivated 911 calls a hate crime. Making fa false 911 calls is already a crime in the state of Michigan. So what would be the purpose of this order? You know the answer. Fear. The mob wants the power well, to... Well, yeah, to make racists afraid of being racist. Like, to stop using the police as their personal get-rid-of-these-black-people-for-me service anyone who wants police protection from quote mostly peaceful protests it's an impediment to their power so Gretchen Whitmer is trying to sweep it away you can see exactly what's coming it's obvious what they're planning what's fascinating is the people doing this know it too they know the consequences of these plans and they don't plan to live with those consequences on Friday the Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously they know the to consequences of these plans department. but they don't plan to live with these consequences why they were voting this way watch and now is the time for us as a city to start paying the community members who have been doing this work for decades and need to get paid. All that money has been going into the police department and what have we gotten in return? Pain, trauma, and hurt. We will be taking intermediate steps towards ending the MPD through the budget process. Showing up as a person who believes that we should and can abolish our current Minneapolis police system. Those were awfully emphatic statements, so it might be easy to be misled by them. The Minneapolis City Council isn't actually opposed to armed protection. 
They're opposed to you having it. <laughs> they're opposed to the police protecting your family and your homes. But they're not opposed to protecting themselves. And that's why the three Minneapolis city councilmen you just saw requested and received taxpayer-funded security guards. You pay for them, they stand outside their homes. Of course they did that. They don't want to get hurt. Yeah, but the police are the same thing, except, like, everybody pays for them in taxes, right? But, you know, you research that into the history, and a lot of these police departments back in the day were started because they were there to break up uh, police, or not police, but to break up labor unions. Um, and then it reached a point, to where wealthy individuals really just wanted to have a uh, police service there to make sure that their workers stay in line and that nobody affected their property and then there's a whole host of history that leads after that and then finally there's a bunch of reforms to reform them into the police that we know them as today which mostly took place in the 1930s through uh, now so the, mo the modern police as we know it isn't the police that was of 1863 Let that sink in. Mm, that feels good. Yes, yes, that's a good sink. Yes, deeper. The police can change. It's possible. They've done it over hundreds of years so far. Not hundreds, but several decades. Maybe almost a hundred. They've done it for a very long time. They've moved from slave patrol, from work patrol, to just slave and work patrol because there's really no difference in low-income neighborhoods. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to support the protesters with water and words of good faith? Or are we going to spend our time building the idea that these are terrorist Marxists who want to tear down the fabric of this country. It all depends on what fabric you want this country to be woven out of. It can be racist-ass cotton, or it can be innovative industrial hemp. Really, it's up to the citizens. But that's where I leave you tonight is to let you know that the right is calling out for action because we have been mobilizing uh, the left I mean and I think it be a important that we continue to support show solidarity and stay persistent because we are making waves to the point of scaring the bejesus out of people who are in positions of privilege and power so take that all into consideration. Uh, go out to a protest. Love thy neighbor as best as you can, um, but do it by the golden rule. There's no reason why you should throw your love into a bottomless black hole. You should throw it into something worthwhile. That's for you to decide. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for joining me on the Working Class Observer, the Class Warfare Report. Shouts out to Anchor, the podcast platform. Shouts out to Twitch, the live stream platform. And shouts out to YouTube for the archive space where I can upload these little transmissions for you. Stay revolutionary.
it's so clear that the obvious optimum strategy if the world is going to end in a minute or if it's going to end in 10 billion years is to be clear, conscious, present, and here. I mean, all of the training you and I will be talking about when we talk about dying has to do with coming to the moment of death and being so here that you are not pulled or pushed or frightened or grabbing or holding you just right here. And then here. And then here. And then here. And in that sense, life and death and living and dying are exactly the same thing. And the optimum strategy for you to be totally processing everything and be in harmony with the Tao is to be in the moment. To be with the moment fully, which includes the past and the future. It doesn't negate it. It's all in here. I know that in two days or three days or two days, I'll be in Iowa City speaking at this time. And the next night in Omaha, Nebraska. I know that. That's part of the future. But at this moment, I'm right here. That's also here, too. But I'm not busy not being here because of that. The present. You and I are living in a time where change is obviously happening. The style of our lives in our lifetimes is going to change. Our political role in the world is going to change. Our chances of survival are changing. Who our friends and enemies are is changing. Whether you can get in a car and take a Sunday drive is changing. Whether you can have on your table the foods that fascinate you when you go to the supermarket is changing. When I walk down the alley of a supermarket, I used to get my appetite used to get greater and greater, and I want this and I want this. Now I lose all my appetite. Because I can't, the prices of whims are beyond my tolerance. And I notice my diet getting simpler. And I'm not suffering, it's great. And there's the key right in there. Not to assume that every time it changes, it's worse. Not far out. I mean, that's part of my tradition, my family tradition. If it changes, it's going to be worse. <laughs> We've always done it this way. We've always had pot roast on Sunday. All I can tell you is working with people that have terminal illness, that as each of their techniques for controlling the universe falls away, they awaken a little bit more, potentially. They can use it, they can get caught in, oh my God, I can't any longer walk to the bathroom. And they can be busy being somebody who's not walking to the bathroom. Can you imagine that? Who are you? Well, yesterday I could walk to the bathroom, but today I can't. Heavy, isn't it? See, you don't want to laugh, but it's funny. It's one of those things.
the fact is, you know, uh, I was with this fellow. And I don't know whether I told him. Um, from, that was dying of, um, he had Hodgkin's disease. And he was in the final stages of it. And he had, he had had chemotherapy and he had a wig. And he was a pusher in San Francisco. And he decided he was going to die by ODing on heroin and taking LSD. And he came to me to discuss it, consult. And that seemed reasonable to me. And um, so we went for a ride. And we went for a ride up on Route 1 over in Marin. And he, I had a rental car. And he said, um, could I drive? It'll probably be my last time. And he was about 22. You know what it is like for a 22-year-old to drive. And I know it was like when I was 22 to drive. So I said, of course. So he started to drive. But the problem was he didn't have the strength to turn the wheel. And on one, you know, it really uh, does require that particular skill. And I would find us headed for the ocean, and I'd reach over and turn the wheel, and finally I said, look, just because you're going to die doesn't mean I have to die. We've got to recognize that who you were a few days ago, you aren't now. Now you're somebody that rides, you don't drive. So let it go lightly, that's the way it is. I'll drive. So I drove and he rode. And at first he felt sad, and